Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. Get ready for another edition of Inside Carolina Radio. And I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, back again with Greg Barnes to talk Carolina football defense. And Greg went through the offense position by position yesterday, so let's do it with the defensive side, and we'll start on the defensive line. Of course, the news Marlon Dunlap's no longer on the team is a blow for defensive line depth, Greg, but they still have bodies there, probably as many bodies as at that position as Fedora's had since he's been in Carolina. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, in terms of just sheer number of, of healthy, able-bodied kids, uh, they're in good shape. And that's important because while a lot of programs, you know, that's kind of a given, that hasn't been the case in North Carolina, especially when you factor in kind of the unique defense that Vic Conan ran, which is really a kind of a 3-3-4 more than anything, although he called it a 4-2-5. Uh, and where you really kind of pulled a defensive tackle out of the mix. But you mentioned Marlon Dunlap. He's a guy that showed some potential last year. The fact that he was a true freshman playing, I think, kind of speaks volumes. And and then you got to throw in Robert Dinkins as well. He's a kid who's going to be a redshirt junior. He'd started some games. Uh, so Dunlap and, and Dinkins were basically your third string, and now those guys are gone at defensive tackle. So you're always going to have attrition – you don't like to see attrition at the same position. Uh, so we haven't even gotten to camp yet, and two of your three deep on the interior are gone. And what that means is the opportunity is there for guys like Zach Gill and Jordan Riley, true freshmen, to come into play. But it also means you know, somebody like a Tyler Powell, uh, who is a senior and who's, who's played a lot at both positions. He actually started out as a defensive tackle he may be called on to move inside. Uh, but the good news, of course, is that you have a solid two deep with uh, Jalen Dalton, Jason Strobridge, Aaron Crawford, Jeremiah Clark, and both those guys missed spring ball. Uh, but you have four really good players there. None of them are seniors, so you would expect they'll all be back next year. So that's very good on the interior. But anytime you, you lose a few guys like they've lost, uh, it's not a good thing for, for what you're hoping and typically that's to be able to rotate more than just four guys. Yeah, and then you count Nazir Jones moving on. I mean, who do you right. expect to be the star here? I mean, we've always talked that you really need a stud at defensive end, but you need somebody at tackle um, that can at least take up a couple offensive linemen, if not three once in a while. Your take on who that might be for Carolina this season? Yeah, that's a great question. And you mentioned Nazir. He was really the only guy last year that warranted double teams throughout most of the game. And when he was not in the game, that makes it a little bit easier for the offensive line. But we, what we saw at the end of last year is that Aaron Crawford had really kind of established himself as a run stopper. And then Jason Strobridge, well, that's somewhat of a new position for him. He's got a quick burst. And so he was a guy that was that's kind of proven that he can get into the backfield relatively quickly. Uh, and so I think what you're going to see is those are two guys that can kind of step up and maybe elevate their play and give you some some trouble there. And when you mentioned Jeremiah Clark, he, he's battled some injuries, but he's an experienced guy now, 6'5", 315, uh, a good able-bodied kid. And then Jalen Dalton, right? The, the talk last year was here's a kid that came in as a defensive end. He was young, uh, has really kind of blown up, and now he's going to be the starter. 
uh, and then he gets hurt right before the Georgia game, uh, still playing the Georgia game, but that injury really kind of knocked him back, and we never really saw him live up to that hype that even Gene Chizik was talking about during training camp. So he's another guy that had a good spring, and they felt like he's really uh, in position to take that next step. And so if you know, really any two of those four make significant improvement, now you're talking about a, a really effective interior of the line. If none of the four do, uh, then maybe there are some question marks there. Yeah, and Carolina's got to stop the run. I mean, that's been the bane for Fedora's defenses and for years, um, especially at Carolina. We'll see how that plays out. Greg on the edges. I mean, Tyler Powell's a guy that if he can stay healthy will certainly do good things for Carolina. Your take on there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Powell's a guy, as I mentioned, is a senior, big physical kid, uh, has has some quickness. And so even you know, if he's not a pass rusher extraordinaire, he's big enough and strong enough and tenacious enough that he can really help you against the run, which is going to be a critical component. And then on the other side, of course, you've got Malik Carney, who kind of rose up to the top of the depth chart last year with injuries to various other players uh, and really kind of shined and showed that, that, hey, even though he's not the biggest guy, I think he's listed at 6'3", 230, uh, he's very quick, he's aggressive, he's, he's not going to be overpowered consistently, and he can give you some pass rush. And he's actually the uh, the team's leading returner with sacks. But then, talking about the reason that Carney moved up the depth chart, DeJuan Drennan you know, battled that uh, foot injury forever, finally came back, and then in his first game back, uh, pulls his hamstring. And so he missed most of the season. Uh, Tamon Fox came in. Uh, he had to play a lot in the first two games, just out of necessity, even though he was oversi- uh, undersized and a little bit overpowered. But he showed out well in both those games. I want to say he played close to 50 snaps against Georgia and really kind of held his own. And so now he's been able to put on a ton of weight. He was able to get a medical red shirt. And so now all of a sudden, not only do you have Carney and, uh, Carney and, and Powell, but you've got Drennan back healthy. You've got Fox back healthy. You've got some young guys. Jake Lawler was a four-star kid coming out of high school, was able to enroll in January. No, he was banged up a little bit in spring, uh, but he's been around the program. So even though you lose uh, kind of a strong force on the edge and Mikey Bart, you have a lot of other pieces there that maybe some of those guys can step up and be more consistent on the edge, you know, which, as you alluded to, has kind of been lacking in recent years. At the linebacker position, I mean, we've heard a ton about Carolina's recruiting at that position this fall uh, with commitment or this summer with commitments from some of the – biggest names out there, but on the roster, Andre Smith, Kaysen Collins, Jonathan Smith, Cole Holcomb, those guys need to produce for Carolina that has some success. Your take on them, and then Alan Artis is back, and do you think he'll be a factor? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with with Artis. He's been on the team throughout. Yes, he's been suspended throughout his ordeal, uh, but he's still been with the team, and so you would would expect that he's still in good shape, but that's a kid that I've seen a lot of time at safety. Uh, so he gives you a little bit of a, a, a quick option there. But you've got a lot of guys here. I mean, everybody knows about the starters, right? I mean, Kaysen Collins, um, Cole Holcomb, Andre Smith. That's three returning starters on the second line. But you also have guys like Aiden Bonilla, who played a lot last year. And really the two that kind of stand out to me more than anybody 
uh, is Dom Ross and Jonathan Smith just because of their athleticism. Both incredibly young guys, sophomores. Uh, Smith missed the spring after you know getting hurt last year. But both of those guys give you a ton of talent. And then when you factor in that Andre Smith is right in that discussion, Cole Holcomb's a bit of an overachiever, but really kind of an athletic freak. And then, you know, Casey Collins is a guy that we've been waiting for him really to live up to his potential. Uh, and he did a pretty good job last year. So a lot of pieces there as well. But, you know, as I mentioned, with, with Dom Ross and Jonathan Smith, I think those are guys that kind of give you a lot of positivity about the future. And then when you factor in some of those recruits that you, you talked about, you know, the future is very bright for North Carolina. And there, there was a time period there during the Bush Davis era when you had Quan Sturdivant and Bruce Carter and, and some of those guys that were just incredibly talented, Zach Brown. Um, maybe we're not quite back to that point, but it looks as though there's enough talent on the roster and incoming talent that North Carolina should have a very good linebacking core moving forward instead of having to rely on, on some walk-ons like they've had to do in recent years. Yeah, they're getting closer. And I think for them to be better than average on defense, I think the linebackers have got to show up. I've been a little bit disappointed with their play the last few years, but they, they certainly have the pieces there. MJ Stewart and the cornerbacks. Now, I think – that if there was one good thing that happened in the offseason, Stewart deciding to come back, I think, was huge for Carolina's defense. Your take on him and the others. Yeah, no doubt. If you lose MJ Stewart, which he could have gone and he would have gotten drafted. If you lose Stewart, then you've also lost Des Lawrence. And so now you're talking about a lot of young guys because with those two guys on the roster last year, you could bring along a Patrice Rene or a Corey Bell relatively slowly. Right, you didn't have to put them in difficult positions. KJ Sells as well, uh, and so what that allowed North Carolina to do is to bring these young guys in and, and bring them along slowly. Uh, so even even now with Lawrence gone, I mean you've got Renee in the mix. Uh, you know, Greg Ross is a guy that has a lot of talent. KJ Sells played a lot during spring ball as well as Trey Shaw, and then of course you've got you know CJ Cotman who comes in as a kind of a four four star elite type guy. So you have a lot of options all of a sudden. Now, they are going to have to rely on some young guys, and I'm curious to see what happens when they go to nickel, which, as we know, they've, they've played a lot of nickel in recent years. You kind of have to this day and age. Uh, but Gene Chizik really liked to bring MJ Stewart inside at, at nickel back last year. Uh, but in the, in the spring, we really didn't see that quite as much. So how do they handle that? Do they bring Corey Bell in? side even though he's a little bit smaller but you put him on the edge uh, and trust a couple young guys out there so that development will be very interesting there is good talent there good size i mean greg ross is 6'1 uh cj cotman's 5'10 which is not bad and then of course uh patrice renee 6'2 so uh, a little bit more length there than what we've seen in that position at times over the years uh, just a lot of inexperience and having a guy like stewart who's a true veteran uh, and can break the school record for PBUs this year, to have him kind of leading the show back there uh, is very beneficial for uh, J.P.'s defense. And his you know, senior partner, Donnie Miles, back at safety. I thought Miles looked a little heavy last year. Maybe that's just my untrained eye. But he appears to be in shape this year, and he's certainly going to be the leader on the back end along with Stewart. Your take on the safeties, I mean, a lot of talent. 
miles, of course, to elder statesmen, but they've got some options back there as well. Yeah, I think Miles, what we'll find out about him is that he's going to be the, the senior leader of this team. And while you have other good options with Stewart, like we mentioned, Andre Smith, their middle linebacker, and then some of the guys along the defensive line, uh, Miles is just really the type of guy that is very confident. Uh, he doesn't run his mouth a lot, but he's very just kind of – I don't know exactly what the word I'm looking for is, but kind of a, a proud, old-school type guy. Like He knows what he can do, and he's going to do it. He's going to let you know that he's going to do it. Um, kind of a lunch pail type guy, and that's just how he's always been. So it's, he's a very good interview for that purpose, very mature for his age. And so I think he'll be a guy that really sets the tone defensively for this North Carolina team. And I think it's a good thing for him that he's got some young guys around him that have a lot of talent. I mean, Miles Dorn, he is the guy that Larry Fedora hyped at ACC kickoff. And Fedora's not one to hype up a lot of his players. I mean, he just has never been that way. Uh, but he was comfortable in saying, you know, Dorn's a guy that's put on some weight. He's 6'2". Uh, he can really lay the bricks. And so I think that's an incredible combo for North Carolina. You know, when you factor in, you've got, you got Dorn, you've got Stewart and Miles back there. Uh, that's a solid, solid back end of the defense. And then you've also got guys that you know, we've already seen play. You know, Miles Wolfolk is another young guy, uh, but he's, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, and then you've also got DJ Ford, who is long at 6'3". Uh, and he gives you some range and some, some different options. And, and J.K. Britt was another guy. He's a junior now. Uh, but he really battled for playing time last year as well. So, again, uh, we're seeing this entire roster, not just in the in the back end of secondary, but a lot of depth, a lot of bodies, a lot of options for these coaches. Uh, and so, you know, as Larry Fedora said, you know, kind of the foundation set, you've got your guys in. Now all it is is not filling in pieces, it's having competition, it's really continuing to build the team through recruiting, uh, but the pieces are in place, and now it's just up to the coaches to really kind of coach them up. Greg, you think this is the year that Carolina's defense is the unit that sort of carries this team this year? Or do you think that the offense will just will eventually get it together and it'll be more of the same? Knowing Larry Fedora, Tommy, I'm going to have to say that it's going to be the offense taking a little bit of time to kind of find its footing and then go from there. Now, I will say this. Uh, if you go back to 2013, you know, once Brent Renner got hurt, what you saw was Kareem Martin really emerged as a playmaker at defensive end, and that defense was stout the last seven, eight games of the year. Uh, really good numbers, the best stretch of any defense under Larry Fedora. And that's one of the prime reasons that North Carolina closed that season. With, what was it? You know, six out of seven games they had wins in, something like that. So maybe this team can can make that step with the defense. We'll have to see. As you mentioned earlier, I mean, when you go from averaging or giving up teams, uh, allowing teams to rush for 250 yards in 2014 to like 230 in 2015 to 225 last year, there's still a lot of room for improvement there defensively. Kind of, the, you know, as Gene Chizik has said, First of all, you've got to prevent the big play. And they did that. And Larry Fedora talked about that at the ACC kickoff, saying, look, I know we weren't great against the run last year, but we also played with a lot of two high safeties. And, and Jason Staples can get into the semantics of that and how they actually played one high safety quite a bit, which showed a little bit of, of growth and expansion of the defense. 
But JP and, and Larry Fedora both have kind of pointed to this is a year you have enough bodies in place, you have enough talent in place, as well as the offense needs some help, where you can start being more aggressive. And you can start focusing more on getting sacks and getting tackles for loss. Now, does that open you up to the, the potential of giving up bigger plays? Of course it does. That's kind of the trade-off. But if you have experienced guys that know the system and know where they're supposed to be, that should help make up for some of those broken plays. And so that's kind of the balance in active. How aggressive can you be without getting burned on the back end? And that's something they're going to have to see what they can do early in the year and then as the season progresses. Last question before I let you go. Gene Chizik, we've mentioned his name several times in this podcast. Is him not being there that big a deal day-to-day, game-to-game for this defense? That's a great question, Tommy. And I don't know that we can answer that right now. But I will say this. Gene really kind of gave off the vibe of a head coach. And when he first came on, it was after that disastrous 2014 year. Uh, Larry was a little bit shaken up at the end of that year. And the first couple meetings with the media, I mean, Gene was like this polished head coach veteran. Larry was still kind of trying to fill in his way. You're trying to say the right things, but wasn't quite sure what his team was going to do. Uh, and so you could just tell that Gene was kind of this calming effect. Now, Larry's had success since then, obviously, and has really kind of matured and grown as a head coach. So that aspect's not required anymore. Uh, but Gene really kind of just had that mentality. And you talk to him, uh, he knew what he's talking about. He was a veteran. Uh, and you know, not to say JP's not that way, but JP's doesn't give off the same vibe. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how that dynamic plays out. Not to mention the fact that you know Charlton Warren's gone, and you got Dick Adams now coming in as a defensive line coach. Uh, so you've got some new faces on the defensive side of the ball. Everybody's new coaching wise, except for JP, and he's he's kind of sliding into a new position. So I think with the the bodies that they have and the experience they have, that should help with some of the the coaching transition. And I'm sure they had a good go of it in the spring. Uh, but until we actually get into the games and, and see some adversity and, and get to see how this this defense reacts, at that point we'll have an idea of what Gene did. Because we know there was numerous games, especially in 2015, where North Carolina had issues early in games. And then they'd go into halftime, and Gene would say, all right, guys, settle down. We know what we're doing. We're going to keep doing what we're doing, and we're going to make this small tweak. And they'd go out in the second half and they'd be like a different defense. You know, we talked about that a lot. That was a consistent thing. So can JP do that? That, that remains to be seen. It'd be fun to watch in camp. Opens August 2nd, players report August 1st. But it, it'd be interesting to see how it's changed and how the product on the field changes come Cal game. Greg, good talk to you. We've got offense and defense in the books. Next week we'll sort of try to break down maybe special teams a little bit, get Jason Staples on the show Should be a fun week leading into camp. Appreciate it, my man. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to Inside Carolina Radio, brought to you by JohnnyT-shirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. We'll talk to you again soon.